So I've got uh, Yuval Ron from uh, Insight Timer. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm uh, based in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not part of uh, Insight Timer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Insight Timer uses some of my music mm-hmm. and and co- audio courses. Yeah, I was uh, meditating uh, with one of your tracks last night. I, I like uh, instrumental music to meditate with. I can see you're a musician too. I'm a musician as well. Uh, have you always been recording meditation music? Uh, no, this is uh, something that is uh, relatively uh, recent in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one stint uh, in uh, about 30 years ago, 31 years ago, I worked with a researcher called Robert Monroe. And Robert Monroe created the binaural beats hemisync sound uh, method to, uh, to use sound for meditation. It's called hemisync sound. Mm-hmm. And it uses a method called binaural beats. It's a kind of brain entrainment. It's, mm-hmm. it's using pulsation, sound wave pulsations to modulate the pulsation of the brain waves in the listener's brain uh, for therapeutic usage, usages, and one of them is meditation. So when I just came out of music school about 31 years ago, I got a call from Robert Monroe, and he asked me to compose music for his product, and and I did. And then I went on to compose music for films and television, and and having a career in that, and music mm-hmm. for theater, and. Uh, producing albums for world music and uh, performing um, concerts all around the world. And uh, only in the last uh, seven years, um, I was called by a couple of neuroscientists and healers and doctors and scientists to uh, contribute music for therapeutic use. And uh, some of it was for meditation. And so I got back into doing that kind of work. uh, And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I'm a trained classical musician too as well. Uh, I've listened to some binaural beats. I think they're good for the brain as well. So you've worked in theatre, have you? Yeah, I've worked as a composer in theatre. Actually, theatre is my first love. It's the first job that I got as a professional composer. Uh, When I was 19, uh, I was hired to write my first composition for an original play. Actually, it was a play by Beckett, mm-hmm. Samuel Beckett, and and I fell in love with the theater. I fell in love working in the theater, and uh, and, and that was my first in uh, into being a composer professionally. And and I fell in love with composing music for the stage and the, the working with actors and the magic that happens when you add music to the action on stage. It's, mm-hmm. it's magical, and and that led me. Because of that experience in the theater, that led me into writing music for films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm a film composer too. I've got I published, decided to uh, publish last year on Spotify and all that. Uh, I composed traditionally for orchestra. I uh, studied or- orchestration in my undergraduate degree. Um, but I majored in the clarinet, so I was a performance student. And yes wanted to go into composition as well uh musical theater yeah i i've i think i've played alongside some theater students as well but i i never really played in any theater productions 
So that yeah, musical theatre is good. There's always a good uh, variety um, of orchestration involved too. So are you orchestrating your stuff for theatre? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I went to school in uh, Berklee College of Music in Boston. I studied music for films uh, in the eighties, but. Be, I started working in the theater before I went to music school and I studied uh, composition uh, with private teachers and that, w- that was my only background in counterpoint and in harmony mm. and uh, classical music writing and that was my foundation. I started writing in the theater and then I went to Boston to study film scoring and I had to learn psychoacoustics, the science of sound acoustics, science uh, um, psychoacoustics plus uh, orchestration and conducting and music production and all you know four years of music school and so um, I'm an orchestrator and um, uh, composer music producer uh, record producer performing musician Mm. Uh, I, I do I do pretty much everything that there is there in the music business and I've done many of those things over the last 35 years Wow. Yeah, see, making a living in the music business is not an easy thing for anyone. Especially that's, true. That, that's very true, and I feel very grateful every day of my life. Every day I feel grateful that I'm making my living being an artist and being a composer, and I always, all my adult life, I've done it. I never worked in another job. And, I'm, and I feel that I, I'm very lucky and I teach my students, you know, I, I have a mentorship program and I've, I've had this mentorship program for about 22 years now. I've been teaching mm. students from uh, mainly from Berkeley College of Music, but also from other universities who come to my studios in Los Angeles and they do mentorship. And I always teach them to be grateful and uh, mm. if they can make a living doing music because it's not easy. And I always tell them, look, the, the, I know many very 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 talented composers very talented musicians who never made it mm. in the music business they do all kinds of other things they paint houses they fix roofs they work as, as, as security guards they do they they teach they they write in the newspapers they they, they work in the academia mm. and they're so talented but they never made it into the music business and I tell my students, you know, I, I teach them mm. the tools of making it and, and being very talented musically doesn't mean that you're going to be able to make a living in it. Because in order to make a living in it, there's a whole issue of the music business. Uh, that's which, a nightmare. <laughs> which, is not, which is not music making. Mm. See? So, so when I train my students, I train them in both music making music business and it's they're two different things and it's two different worlds and you have to be good in the music business side mm-hmm. as you are in the music production side the music making side now you can be you can be really good in the music business mm-hmm. but if you are really terrible in the music making you're not going to make it either because mm-hmm. yeah you're going to get the job but you're going to fail doing the job so but you can be average you can be average in music making and very good in music business and you will make it there are there are plenty of very mediocre composers who are making great living writing very mediocre music Mm. Uh, but 
talented composers who are who are great composers who are also good in the music business, or they have a wife or a husband or a significant other or a cousin or a mother or a father or a neighbor who acting as their agent and mm. leading their taking care of all the music business for them throughout their career yeah it's, there's no other there's no other way because i'm in the process of looking for an agent um they're very hard to get very hard to get an agent because there are few agents and numerous numerous abundance of composers and artists mm. so they're really not enough people who want to be agents Mm. And so there are so few compared with, you know, you have millions and millions, hundreds of millions of talented people who are looking for an agent. Mm. And there may be a few thousands, ten thousands of agents serving millions of creative people. And so uh, it's very, very, very hard to get an agent. And even if you get an agent, you may be on their list and they're going to do nothing for you. because. Wow. Because they have 30 other composers on their list mm. who bring the income. And even if they think you may bring them income, they sign you on, mm. they're not going to do anything. They're going to wait for people to come to them and mm. say they want St Stefan or mm. Stephen mm. Schill. Uh, so, so it's a catch-22. So mm. it usually works where somehow you have a success on your own. And suddenly the agents want to to exploit you. Mm. That is more often successful case. With um, look, my situation, uh, Yuval, I I've got all this great work published. People tell me you you got the talent, but I can't market it. I can't sell it. That's the struggle for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a very difficult time for the music business it's it's unprecedentedly difficult time because of the digital uh digital revolution mm. and the collapse of the classic uh industry uh record industry so there, there, are, there are no more record companies that really function as record companies they all became like distributors and so um you don't have record companies anymore mm. And you don't have a uh, a market. You don't have a market that pays. Mm. Uh, you don't have any more CDs. You don't have any more product that that people would pay for. People now just want free music. Mm. And the, dig the digital revolution have decreased and decreased and decreased the value of digital music to a point that digital music value is zero. Mm. I mean, people may pay $10 a month for digital music. It's the max they're going to pay. Mm. And most people don't want even to pay $10 a month. They want to listen to, to it for free. Mm. And so the royalties that you get from digital platforms is is so little that it's like pocket money. Mm. So so making a living um, from recorded music is... is um, non-existence unless you are a rock or hip-hop artist that sells hundreds of millions of copies uh, 
you know, you have hundreds of millions of streams. So each stream paid 0.004 cents. Mm. And but if you if you have, you know, 20 million streams a year, so you know, you, you make a, a, some some income. Mm. But but most of the musicians don't have that kind of an audience, and so. It's 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 a very tough time. Uh, the only t- the only way musicians make a living now is performing live, which mm. in time of Corona crisis uh, was was completely um, put on hold. And and the other way is is if you write music for um, for a television series or uh, a, a major motion picture film. You mm. know? So. That those are the two, the only two ways. Or if you write music for commercials, and so it used to be that there were other revenues. So now, all those hundreds of millions of musicians in the world are competing for all of them competing for scoring mm. those, um, you know, number of of productions. You know, a certain limited amount of productions each year. There's a limited amount of, of films and television series that are being um, produced, and so again, it's like the agents. the The amount, the, the the number of talented composers that are that are ready to do the job is so large, and the jobs are so few. Mm. Fewer than, relatively speaking, it's 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 uh, more lucrative than ever before. Mm. Uh, and so the chances to get one of those lucrative jobs is very, very rare. So I've been in this business for 35 years. I've always made a living from music and I've seen, I've worked in the previous model before the digital revolution. I, I worked with record companies, I worked with film studios, I worked in tele- television studios. I, I've seen, you know, the 90s. The 90s were a very, very good time for musicians. Uh, the 80s were a very good time for musicians. Um, and I've seen it change. And uh, since the digital revolution, uh, things have gone really, really worse. And it's, it, it's, it's getting worse and worse. Um, so it, it goes, it's leading to the situation where music making will be just a hobby, like it was 200 years ago. There, 200 years ago, 300, all through the history, there were few people who worked professionally in music when they worked for the courts of the kings and queens. Mm. There were the few orchestras that was, was full-time musicianship offered for musicians. The rest of the musicians in human history were amateur. They, were, they, may, they may have been brilliant musicians, but they worked as shepherds or drivers or farmers or whatever mm. but they didn't, they're living for music and very 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 few people made a living working for the for the kings in in whatever country they lived in and that's where we're going where very few people are going to be making music uh only few and the rest of the musicians will have to to do other jobs and um and that's sad, you know. That's sad. Um, um, you know, they're they're they're. Um, it's it's it, 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 in a 
addition to that, you will have a group of musicians who do music, but they're not making, they wouldn't be making a living from it. But these kids, these people will be, and they're, st they're already in the music business, trust fund kids. Mm. People who, their family have real estate, their family have pharmaceutical industries, their family ha owns all the parking lots in New York City or in mm. Sydney, Australia. Family money that would sponsor the talented kid in the family who would do music on a high level, but they would not really make a living from it. They, the money of the family would sponsor it. And, and, and that, is, that is good as well, but it, it limits the opportunities mm. to only, only kids from very rich families. And people, you know, it's going to be more rare for people from humble backgrounds to make a living as a musician unless they are very, 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 very commercial artists. Mm. So people from very humble backgrounds will be able to rise up and make a living as a, as a musician if they do a very, very, very commercial art form and they are the most successful in that art form. That will be the only place for people from humble backgrounds in the music business. And... Um, and the rest of the people are going to be making great music, but they're going to have to work in other jobs. And music is going to become their hobby, like the way it used to be, until the 20th century. The 20th century, the record business in the 20th century have changed that the record industry from the 1920s, 1920s and on, the record business and the music business opened the opportunity for many, many, many people to make a living. And that was uh, that would be seen as the golden age of the music business, from 1920 to 2020, mm. you know, 100 years of golden age. But we are already in a, um, about 10, 15 years into the decline of that golden mm. age, and we're going towards uh, another age, as I described it to you. Yeah, look, there was a composer, John Williams. I think he was old by the time he got successful, you know, writing the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But he worked in New York City as a composer for theatre. Mm. He played, he played, you know, he, he worked as an organist, he worked as a pianist, he worked as a musical arranger. He, he worked as a jazz musician mm -hmm. in New York City. He, he worked in music uh, since a very young age. Mm -hmm. But... But he was famous. Uh, he was known in the local scene in New York City. But then he had an opportunity, he had a break to come to LA and, and score a movie. And, that, uh, and he was already an experienced musician at that time. Mm. I think he may have been in his 40s. And, and then he, he had an incredible career and he's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly talented composer and, and conductor and a great artist and he he rose to the top of the top of the film composing scene but he worked he worked as a musician mm. since he worked as a professional musician before coming to LA. yeah it was interesting how you're talking about the, uh, the fall of the um, uh, industry I know some academic lecturers who was stood down from their lecturing jobs in in music 
last year as well. Um, they've only started going back to doing gigs, but even they they got hit hard as well. You know. Yeah. It's quite sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. It's a very sad state of affair. Because you have a lot of great music on Spotify. You have a lot of great music on YouTube. But all this great music doesn't pay mm. the people who are making it. They're very, very talented people. I, I know a lot of them. I know a lot of very talented people. They have great music right there. And they're making no money. Mm. They're making no money from it. Um, some rich uncle is paying the bills. Mm. Or they're starving to death, or they're working, painting houses, or fixing roofs, or whatever. They're, they're, they're doing real estate. Mm. They invest in real estate. They, they you know, they're, they're, they're making the money elsewhere, and, it's, and they're so good in music. Mm. Yeah, it is sad. See, I remember in my undergrad, I wrote an, uh, had to do an academic paper on uh, music education in school. And um, whenever there's a financial crisis, it's always the music and the arts get cut first as well. Unfortunately, yes. And, and it's silly because there's so much studies, there's so many neuro neurological studies so many educational studies studies that show that using the arts, performing arts, music and drama and dance in schools increases the ability, improved ability of math and reading and writing mm. in kids. They're not, they're not just, they, they not only have better grades when you introduce performing arts into the curriculum, uh, they are happier children. Mm. Yeah, I remember playing uh, cornet uh, in primary school in the school yeah. band. Um, it made school fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it also, thanks to that practice, mm. you are smarter and healthier person because playing trumpet in an orchestra, mm. do you know how much coordination it is neurologically? You have to, you have to watch the conductor. You have to listen to all the instruments. You have to coordinate your fingers. You have to coordinate your eyes. You have to analyze the rhythm. It does mathematical calculations. Your brain, when you were sitting in the orchestra in primary school, your brain was working so hard with so many parts of your brain mm. that no other activity in school were, were as demanding. No sports activity, no academic activity is as demanding as playing in your school orchestra. Mm. And that's what is not something that I say. This is something that comes out of neuroscience. This mm. is science. This is a fact. This is just the way things are naturally. And cutting it out of school will make the kids less developed, mm. less developed, and less capable of executive functions executive functions they're called mm. they're neurological functions and that's what we've seen in the united states you know united the united states education is impoverished it used to be the best in the world you know when, when? in the 1950s the 1940s in the 1950s 1960s this was the golden age of the united states 
best cars, the best technology, the best everything was made in the United States. And guess what? In those days, in the 40s and 50s, 60s, in the public schools, in every school in America, kids had to do music. Mm-hmm. And yeah. guess what? In the 80s, it was all cut. 40 years ago, 40 years ago, the arts, the music was cut from the schools in America. Mm. And the decision of the government, the President Reagan and, and his initiatives led to that. And guess what? And now, now we see the results. You know, uh, America is on on the decline, and you look at the the, the global rates of education, uh, and uh, America in in math and science and writing. You know, the American students are are way far from the top. It's the same in Australia too. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it used to be different. Yeah, and and again and again and again, the attitude is. We cannot cut anything about math and sciences or chemistry, but we can cut music. Mm. We can cut painting. You know, this is and this is an attitude that is is maddening because if you look at the research, the research points towards a com- completely different conclusion. You know, it doesn't. Not everybody need to to study chemistry, mm. but. Everybody needs to study music from from a neuro- neurological developmental mm. point of view, and uh, yeah, it's very sad. Sad, sad you know, it's the education system has to be reformed. Mm. Exactly, you know, and um, yeah, the industry's gone down a lot too. It's not about talent anymore. It's about marketing. I've noticed. Right. You get these, uh, uh, I think these singing shows as well, and they really exploit people, and they're left with nothing, apparently. It's like you're selling your rights away. Has the record company done that? I I, I don't know about those shows. I never watched them, or I've never been involved with them, so I don't know. I, I don't really know about that part. What about the record companies, Yuval? Is it true they were ripping musicians off for years? Yeah, they they would uh, own all the rights wow. to the music, and they would pay a percentage to the artists, and they would make the the big the big uh, amounts, and and the musicians couldn't get out of it because the music was owned by the record companies. So you would find some musicians who would have to buy their music back from the music mm. from the record. but on the other hand the record companies invest back in the day they invested a lot of money in recording and promoting and and building the success of the artists so they because they invested the money they paid for the production fully they felt entitled to mm. take the risk because they take the risk you know an artist may fail you know, uh, Leonard Cohen or Paul Simon had some flops in their career where their their album didn't sell at all and it cost, I don't know, let's say two millions to produce. Mm. So who paid the two millions? Somebody paid the two millions. And the artist, Paul Simon or Leonard Cohen, they, they never, the, the fact that the, the album flopped and never sold much, 
they didn't lose two million dollars from their pocket, but the record companies did lose all that money. Mm. So when you take a risky, you know, all those investments are risky. So if you if you put your money in a, in in speculative speculative investment, you want a return. And so the conditions were that the record companies uh, wanted to own all of it. And and until today, you know, the, the movie companies own everything in the movie but the movie company a movie studio may lose all their money if the movie is going to be a failure but if the movie is not a failure the big money goes to the movie company Mm. and the composer doesn't get any royalties from in in america the composers don't get royalties from movie theater sales Mm. so it doesn't matter how many people are going to see the movie the composers get the same amount of money but the movie company is making more and more and more money as more and more people watch the movie Mm. in europe uh composers get royalties from ticket sales in europe Mm -hmm. not in not in asia not in the middle east not in america nowhere except for in europe Mm. yes look you've always had a great episode with you today all right i wanted to leave uh listeners on a on an upbeat note, because we discussed a lot of the problems and the systematic mm. uh, brokenness of the music business, and, and it's, it's quite sad and it can be very frustrating. But I wanted to leave people on a on a on a hopeful note because I myself as an example of musician that have uh, lived only from making music for thirty five years, and I'm still making a living just from writing music and composing music and recording music and performing music and i and i would say is it is important to be versatile that's part of the secret of my success is being very versatile and not putting your all your eggs in one Mm. basket if i were just a reggae musician if i could play only one if i could just compose one style of music reggae or or you know whatever it is i think i would have less chances to make a living Mm. as a musician so one one message that I have is versatility, ability to do many different things, and following your intuition, following your passion. So it's, so it's both your heart, what your heart tells you, and your instincts tell you, and the hard work that you do. And again, there's no guarantees for success, but no, educating yourself about the music business, following your heart, following your instincts, and following your passion have a lot to do with your potential success so uh, i want to leave it at that there is hope for the people who follow these guidelines mm. sweet just yuvalronmusic.com mm-hmm. y-u-v-a-l-r-o-n music.com uh, if they want to be in touch uh, they can send me an email yuval at yuvalronmusic.com i'll be happy to Give more advice and to be in touch with any of your listeners. Of course, let's keep in touch uh, and um, hope to um, hope to recycle back uh, and maybe talk in a year or two, and uh, we may have some uh, more positive or more helpful, uh, hopeful uh, news to share. Mm-hmm. Sweet.